Hello everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Michael Griffiths, Global Expert in Cultural Insight and Strategy at TNS Qualitative. I'm based in Shanghai and I have China experience dating from the year 2000. And I'm William Andel-Mills, Global Director at TNS Qualitative. I'm based in London. Mike and I have worked together on our Ideal Man Study, which is a cross-cultural framework designed to help brands tailor their communication strategies to local cultures. One of the topics that keeps popping up in conversations we've been having with clients about the Ideal Man is humour and advertising. We all know that when humour's done well, a funny advertising campaign creates strong impact with consumers. But humour in advertising is actually a very delicate art that needs to be approached carefully. In this second podcast, we discuss how humour works in different cultural contexts, using contrast between British and Chinese humour to bring it to life. Mike, in your view, what should brands keep in mind when using humour across cultures? Well, there's no doubt that humour is complex and there's many kinds of humour, but the most helpful question to ask is why do we laugh at something? And why do we laugh at something? Well, we don't laugh at something just because it's funny in absolute terms. We laugh because we recognise it as funny. Can you explain that? Sure. The thing is that humour expresses a shared point of view. We share a fear or a prejudice or a point of view in a way that unites us. So to recognise something as funny, we need to start with a shared worldview, which is why humour needs to be understood in the context of shared cultural rules. Of course, humour can be universal too. Chinese audiences don't get Blackadder at all, a classic British uh, television comedy, but they love Mr Bean, which stars Rowan Atkinson, the very same comedian. So one of the greatest challenges for global brands is to try and find locally relevant ways of creating meanings which are universally humorous. Okay, so how would brands go about doing that? Well, the first thing that brands need to do is to understand culture, since culture frames our entire view of the world. We, we mostly take culture for granted and only notice it when something goes wrong, like in a cross-cultural situation. So humour is usually a manifestation of something going wrong. Now, this can be slapstick, uh, like when we laugh at someone who's failed to follow the rules, or it can be ironic humour or political satire when we're laughing at the rules themselves. We recognise humour because when things break down, we see what is normally implicit about culture made explicit before us. So we take Mr Bean, for example, when he gets his hand stuck in a teapot, or when he uses his credit card as a butter knife, he exposes the implicit expectations about how a normal adult mind should work in that culture. We might even say that humour provides a, a release from areas of cultural rigidity or a safety valve against that rigidity. Can you explain this using the difference between Chinese and British humour? OK. As an example, look at how authority and rules work in the two cultures. Many Western cultures treat rules as if they can't be broken and exist for their own sake. Britain's like this with its rule of law-based society and its highly normative experience. In Britain... Everybody, regardless of their class, is expected to behave, uh, behave in a particular way and, and share an instinct for decency and fair-mindedness. There's a very stable sense of what is right and proper in Britain. What does this mean for British humour? British humour is shaped by this environment. The forms of humour that work best in Britain are those which provide a pressure valve against these rules, against this Britishness, uh, you know, this, this properness and politeness. Uh, British humour is often about confronting the truth, and that's what we call irony. It can be about breaking the rules, as in what we call tomfoolery, or it can be about making, making fun of the fool who fails to comply with the rule by being foolish, indecent, rude, inappropriate or whatever. And China is very different in these respects? Absolutely it is. The relation between rulers and ruled is very different in China. 
power is arbitrary, opaque and constantly shifting in China, liberty is constrained and there's very little trust between strangers. And on top of all of this, there's this widespread perception that those who set the rules for others to follow actually follow them the least. And how does Chinese humour manifest these characteristics? Well, Chinese humour more often involves laughing at the rule, as well as laughing at those who set the rules for others to follow. So you get satire, which is an especially highly developed form of humour in China, and that's because of the highly controlling regime. Isn't satire dangerous in China, then? Well, yes, it is, but the cultural context also shapes how people have to go about things. So China has comedians who make fun of the politicians, but these comedians are very careful to point their barbs only at politicians who've already fallen from grace. So this isn't so much about breaking cultural rules as knowing what the rules are and judging how to play off them successfully. It's a sort of manipulative cleverness, which is a source of humour, precisely because individual innovation is not celebrated by the state. What does this manipulative cleverness look like? Have any brands used humour in this way in their advertising in China recently? Yes, there's this recent ad for Volkswagen which springs to mind. In this ad, you, you see a British guy arriving at the airport in China, and he pretends to be a Chinese guy called Wang Zhongyu, so that he can get picked up by Wang Zhongyu's driver, who's in a Volkswagen, rather than by the driver who's waiting for him in a very bland-looking car. Now, the, the Volkswagen driver can't believe that this guy is Wang Zhongyu, so the British guy comes up with the story that his father's Chinese, and he's actually of mixed-race origin. And all of this is done in a very respectful way, which is sure to resonate with domestic Chinese audiences. But the British guy, he gets caught at the end of the ad, implicitly by the real, the real Wang Zhongyu. So the ad speaks to a kind of clever, smart funniness in an ultimately ironic way. So the ad celebrates cleverness and taking advantage, but the guy gets caught out in the end. Is that funny from a Chinese perspective? Well, yes, but it's probably easy to show a foreigner rather than a Chinese guy getting caught out in this situation. And that's especially true for an international brand in China. But the ad's quite clever in this respect, because Chinese people imagine the British to be very proper. So the ad shows the power of Volkswagen's brand in the consumer's mind. If the British guy didn't find Volkswagen so desirable, he wouldn't try to take advantage in the first place. Or at least that's what the, the ad implicitly communicates to a Chinese audience anyway. I see. This ad is not so different from some of our ironic-type British advertising where people get caught out. Well, I don't suppose British advertisers would feel the need to choose a Chinese person to laugh at in the same situation. How do these insights relate to laughing at yourself versus laughing at others? Well, the big difference is that in Britain, it's quite legitimate to make a fool of yourself for the sake of making others laugh. In this respect, British humour is often about acknowledging your own weaknesses and cutting yourself down. But in China, on the other hand, the fool that fails to successfully judge and use the rules is not a source of fun, but of disdain. And to a Chinese person, it makes no sense to debase yourself for the sake of humour at all. Oh, really? Why is that? Because China is a collectivist, face-focused culture, and as a result, the Chinese are generally less OK with laughing at themselves or about self-deprecating humour. Self-deprecation is not really understood in China, Laughing at others is very much about asserting your own social superiority. Does this apply on a group level too? I mean, is it OK to joke about your own society in China? No, it's not. The fear of losing face applies at the national level in China too. 
Jokes which are seen to knock the Chinese civilization can get you accused of being unpatriotic, which is a serious matter. There was this recent TV parody of Mulan, a Chinese legend, which got into trouble because some viewers felt that this was inappropriate material for cultural self-mockery. The lead actress was forced to apologise to the public for her inappropriate comedy. Can you imagine that happening in the UK? Interestingly, the situation provoked a schism in social media with some people who felt that the parody of national institutions is actually a necessary form of political dissent in China. Hmm. Okay, so uh, what about dirty jokes? I mean, British humour is often crude, but not Chinese humour? Well, the Chinese do have crude humour, but you need to know how to use it, just like in any other country. If you get the context wrong, and a crude joke can seem weird or vulgar in China, and this would reflect badly on the person telling the joke. I think that's because the Chinese have got such a strong cultural emphasis on self-improvement and self-cultivation. Isn't it odd that the uh, oh-so-polite British enjoy vulgar jokes and often debase themselves while the Chinese find crudeness puerile and are motivated by a cult of self-improvement? The thing is, because British humour is about breaking the rules, the British find that the very crassness of a joke makes it funny. Crude jokes about bodily functions, sex or whatever, disrupt our politeness. I guess it goes further than that too, as in the UK we have a tradition of kind of surreal and absurdist humour which contradicts our sense of ourselves as a highly ordered society. So, I mean, take, take the absurd daftness of Monty Python, for example, or the surreal irony of the Mighty Boosh. You know, are surreal and ironic jokes kind of, in a sense, mock our love of order? I guess, on the other hand, we have a, also a rich tradition of sarcasm and crude humour, which is related to our very strong cultural sense of individualism. Our sarcastic and rude jokes flatter our shared sense of detachment. That's quite right. In China, by comparison, we see the imprint of a collectivist society where individualism is dangerous and alignment with group rules is the priority. As a result, humour has to, one, either play intelligently within these bounds, without any self-mockery, or two, it has to be just a bit of innocent slapstick or a simple slice of life humour. Simple slice of life humour? I mean, can you explain a little? Sure. A recent example is an ad for Media, it's a Chinese brand which makes electric fans. The ad shows a father working at his desk at home, and he's really hot, so he shifts a high-powered fan so that it points in his direction. But his baby, who's sitting right in front of the fan, looks indignant and crawls across the fan and moves it back to his original position. It's just a very cute ad, you know, the, the baby gets one over on Dad. It's smart and a simple slice of life. So what does all this mean for brands looking to communicate global propositions in China? Do you have a recent example of a global brand that got it right? Yeah, there was this, there was this recent ad for M&Ms which work really well here in China. It's got this kind of ludicrously laughable villain-type character who takes two M&Ms hostage and tries to schmooze them back on his couch. The ad combines safe parody with slapstick. Uh, how about an example of a brand that has used humour in a way which would obviously not translate from UK to China, or, or vice versa? Yes, I can think of a few. There's this office escape ad for Carling, which was released in the UK, where an executive tries to escape from his office in a Mission Impossible spoof. So you see this guy who uses a kind of paperclip chain 
to haul himself beneath his boss's gaze to meet his mate outside, only to walk into a glass door whilst winking to this glamorous receptionist on his way out. His mate outside intones deadpan, it's good, but it's not quite carling. So you see, this ad celebrates Britishness in terms of witty banter between men, his ironic masculinity versus femininity, and his pragmatic, imaginative know-how. But just imagine how this ad would go down in China with its completely inappropriate, overt challenge to the boss's authority, its celebration of the hero's idiocy, and China's serious focus on self-improvement. Right, well, that, that's a great example. It really shows the importance of understanding how to navigate cultural differences. Absolutely. Culture is still the greatest challenge for human communications. Many of the challenges we struggled with in the past, like distance and time and so on, have largely been dealt with by technology. But the cultural problem still remains key. OK, well, thanks a lot, Mike. I hope you found this podcast interesting. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us by email on idealman at tnsglobal.com. Thank you. Thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye.